So from time to time in this life, we end up making a deal for something. I heard about this young teenage boy. He just turned 16, got his driver's license. He went to his father and he said, Dad, I'm 16 now, got my driver's license. I think I ought to be able to drive the family car. Dad said, well, let me tell you, son, I'll make a deal with you. If you get your grades up, if you clean your room up, if you start reading your Bible more, and if you cut your hair, then we'll, we'll make a deal where you can drive the car some. So the boy went to work. He worked diligently. Three months later, he got his report card. He came to his dad and he said, Dad, I want to show you my report card. I, I brought all my grades up. Dad said, good. He said, you've seen my room. My room's all cleaned up. He said, you, uh, you know you've seen me reading the Bible and we've discussed some of the Bible verses and so you know I'm doing that. And Dad said, yes, son, you've done all three of those. He said, but you still haven't cut your hair. And the boy said, well, Dad, as I was reading the Bible, I was reminded that Moses had long hair and, and uh, Noah had long hair and Jesus had long hair. And Dad said, yeah, they did. And they walked everywhere they went. So, you know, we make deals sometimes or, or a contract. I mean, you can't do anything anymore. You get cable TV, you make a deal with the cable company. You buy life insurance, you make a deal with the life insurance company. You go buy a car, and they give you a deal sheet, and you take that to the bank, and you hopefully can get a loan to purchase that car. So we're making deals. Parents make deals with their kids. Clean your room, we'll go to the movies tonight. I made a deal with my wife uh, last weekend. We, uh, she and her mother and my mother and my daughter were going to Knoxville. Uh, they were going to babysit our grandkids. And so they wanted to drive my truck because Jeanette's got a really small compact car. She said, we can't get all the luggage in it. And I said, well, my truck is filthy, but I'll make a deal with you. I'll let you drive my truck if you will clean my truck. And she said, okay, and got back my truck on Monday, and it was not clean. And she let her end of the deal down. But you know, we're always making these deals. In fact, there are game shows that we watch. Anybody remember Let's Make a Deal? I think it still comes on. And then there's a game show called Deal or No Deal. That's one of my favorite TV shows to watch. Of course, Harry, Howie Mandel leads that show, and we're starting a sermon series today called Deal or No Deal. Now, I don't know if you know, but in the game show Deal or No Deal, they have 26 of these briefcases. And each one of these briefcases has inside of it a dollar value all the way from one penny up to a million dollars. You pick a case, and when you pick that case, you get to set it on the table along with a button, and along the way, you eliminate the cases that are left up front. They have models up there holding the cases. And you can say, get rid of number one, get rid of number three, until you get rid of all the cases. And then you can decide, you get to open your case, and whatever's in there, you get to keep. Now, along the way, as you eliminate a few cases each time, Howie will come and have a banker make you an offer. And he will open up the case and say, deal or no deal. And they may offer you, depending on how many cases and what numbers are left. 
the numbers go from one penny all the way to a million dollars. And so you have a shot at winning a million dollars. We're going to think about a deal today. You know, deals are about relationships. You do this for me, I'll do that for you. That's a deal. God wants to make a relationship with all of us. God wants to make a deal with you. And there are several parts to this deal that he makes. And that's what this series that we're going through is all about. So we'll begin to think about the deal that we make with God today. What does the right deal with God look like? What's the right deal to the right relationship with God? You know, God is really a good God. So many pe people get the picture of Him as, as being a God who's against everything. But God is a good God. He wants the best for you. And He wants a good relationship with you. But we have to understand how that relationship works. What the deal is with God. So, let's turn to Mark chapter 12 here. And Jesus talks a little bit about this. Of course, this, uh, this, uh, what Jesus talks about here in Mark chapter 12, beginning in verse 28 through 34, is recorded in all three of what we call the synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And um, Jesus actually goes back and pulls out an important Old Testament scripture. And this has been important to God's people since the time of Moses. In fact, the, the Jewish uh, people use this, this particular scripture every day of their lives. Now, in the situation, the context here, Jesus had been having some debates with some of the Jewish leaders. And they had been challenging him, questioning him. They were trying to trap him in something wrong. And as we pick up the account today, uh, somebody asked him a question. Read with me Mark chapter 12, beginning of verse 28. One of the teachers of the law came to, and heard them debating. Noticing that Jesus had given a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind and all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There is no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and that there is no other but Him. To love Him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that He had answered wisely, He said to him, You are not far from the kingdom of God, and from then on no one dared ask Him any more questions. This scripture that Jesus quoted comes out of Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. He didn't recite it all, but it's a passage that the Jewish people called the Shema. Now that word in Hebrew means hear. And that's the first word in verse 4 there. Hear, O Israel. It's God's call for His people to hear what is most important. And the, this Shema, in fact... The grammar of that word here, it is a verb, and it is the, in the imperative mood, if you know what grammar is. That means it is urgent. It is a command. It's, it's the kind of 
uh, voice you use when your kid's about to run out in the road and, and, and there's traffic coming and you yell, stop. Jesus is saying, hear. Hear me, Israel. This is what's most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength. Now, the Shema was made up of several short passages of Scripture, and they were so important, in fact, uh, the Scripture said, tie them on your hands, bind them on your foreheads, write them on the door frames of your house. And so the, uh, the Hebrew people had these little boxes called phylacteries. They were made out of leather, and they would actually tie those with these Scriptures in and put them on their hand. Or they would bind them around their forehead uh, with a piece of uh, cloth or leather or something. And they, would, they had uh, mezuzahs, which was a, a round cylinder-shaped box. They would mount those on the door frames of their houses with those scriptures inside of them. That's how important it was. In fact, in Matthew twenty-two forty, Jesus says about love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. He said all the law and the prophets hang on these two commands. That's how important they were. Love God and love neighbor. That's got a big deal uh, to play in the relationship that we have to God. You know, a, a deal is all about a relationship. Are you going to have the right relationship with God? We're going to address that first idea today. Love God. And next week, love for your neighbor. What does the right deal with God look like? Well, the first thing I want you to see, the first part of the deal, is that you love God with all your being. Heart, soul, mind, strength, it says. Heart. You know, for the Hebrew people, that was the seat of the will. That's where you made decisions, they thought, in your heart. Often when you make a major decision, you know, your gut uh, has a feeling in it. And, and they saw that as, as, as being the heart being involved in making that decision. Soul, that's your inner being. That's the spirit that lives inside of you. We're all two-part beings. We have a, a body, a physical body, and a spirit that gives us life. And so that's, that's part of our being, and, and God wants every ounce of our being. Heart, soul, mind, that's your thoughts, your thinking, your ability to reason and process things. And then strength, that's your muscle, that's your physical body, that's the part of you that does things. God wants all of your being. He wants you to love Him with all of your being. In fact, based on the grammar of this, it is a command. Love God with all your being. God extends His love to every person in this world. But He desires to bless those who return that love. Here's the second part of the deal. Know this love is not a feeling, but a decision. You know, a lot of people talk about falling in love. Kind of like you fall into a ditch. They say, well, I didn't mean to, I just couldn't help it. Almost like falling in love is an accident that we have. I just got this feeling that came over me, and I couldn't help it. And... and we fall in love. But the kind of love that the Bible talks about is different from that. Mark uses a Greek word for love. It's translated agape in the original Greek. And it's the word most often used for love in the New Testament. The Greeks actually had four words for love. 
We just have one. We use that same word love for how we feel about our spouse or how we feel about our God or how we feel about our favorite food. You know, but the Greeks had these different words. Storge was family kind of love, kind of love a mother has for a child. And eros was that kind of romantic love, that kind of love we fall into. Or uh, phileo was a brotherly love, a friendship kind of love. But this agape love, it's an unconditional love. It's kind of love that has respect and, and care and concern and compassion. And it desires the best for the other person. And it's not based on feelings. It's based on a decision that we make. I'm going to do this. It's a decision to treat people the way we desire to be treated and the way God treats us. That's the kind of love we're talking about. And this is the kind of love that God gives us and the kind that He wants us to have for Him. So we have to decide. We have to make a choice. I'm going to love God with this kind of love. Not because I feel like it, but because I'm making a decision that I'm going to love God and I'm going to use all my heart and soul and mind and strength and I'm going to love you and follow you and obey you, God. Now, there's a third part to this deal. And that is that we understand this happens only through faith in Jesus Christ. You know, God sent Jesus to earth for us. I have made a little brochure. It's available at the Welcome Center. It's called Connect with Christ. And I want to just work through this brochure with you today so that you understand about the kind of, of relationship with Christ that I'm talking about. You know, if you've never heard this before, this could change your life dramatically. Um, in our culture, everybody seems to be searching for something. Many people are trying to fill their lives with stuff to fill some kind of void. But what people are really looking for is a genuine spirituality and an inner peace. And that seems to be missing for many people in our culture. And you know, people ask questions like this. Are there many paths to God? Or if I'm sincere, can I just make up my own path to God? Or are all religions the same? Or if I try to do right and believe in a higher power, am I covered? Of course, there are other questions you could ask about God. I think you get the point. Many people are looking for the right path to God. But there are two real questions that we ought to ask. And I want you to consider these questions today. Number one, do you know for sure that you have a good relationship with God? Now, a lot of people would say, well, nobody can know if they have a good relationship with God. But the Bible does tell us that we can know that for sure. And the second question is, what does it take to have a relationship with God? You know, many think, people think they're okay with God because they live a reasonably good life and every now and then they say a prayer or they acknowledge that God exists. But that doesn't ensure anybody has the right relationship with God. In fact, Proverbs fourteen twelve says, There is a way that appears to be right, but in the end it leads to death. You can think you're on the right path with God and be wrong. Jesus said... I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. 
So what does that look like? So I want to take you through four points to think about what this right relationship looks like. And here's the first point, God's love. You know, God loves you very much. And not with that kind of mushy, kind of hoopla that our world tries to pass off as love. God loves you with that agape love that I talked about, that compassion and care and concern and respect kind of love. And you're part of His creation. He cares about you. You know, too many people have never understood this about God, that He loves everybody. The church really has not done a good job of getting the message out about this and about how God feels about you. So let's begin with this truth today. The Bible says God is love. Now let's don't confuse that with the idea that love is God, because it's not. God is love. He is the author of love, the creator of love. And love started with God, and He loves sincerely, and He wants to have a personal relationship with every person on this planet. But there's a serious issue. And that is where too many people misunderstand God. You see, God is completely holy in every way. And we are not holy in every way. No one has lived up to God's expectations. And that takes us to the second point. And that is our sin. You know, God's Word, the Bible, says it like this. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You probably realize that all of us have done things wrong in our lives. Some think that we can do good to make up for our wrong, and as long as we do more good than bad, then we'll be covered and we'll be okay with God. But God's Word teaches that that way of thinking is wrong. Sin separates us from God. Colossians 1.21 says, You were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. Any sin is evil. Let me ask you a question. Suppose that you were invited to someone's house and they offered you a bottle of water and you were very thirsty. But before they gave you that water, they had a little bottle and it had a skull and crossbones on it, and it had the word poison on it, and they took an eyedropper, and they put like one drop of poison in that water. Would you drink that water? Probably not. I wouldn't. But if you think about it, there's a lot more good water than the bad poison, so why not drink it? Well, that is because we know it only takes a little bit of poison to spoil the whole batch of water. And in many ways, that's the way God sees our lives. Yes, all of us have good in our lives, but we all have bad in our lives. And the bad in our lives is what God calls sin. Sin, it's not a popular word today. Most people don't like to think about their sin. They don't like to acknowledge that they sin. But that's what God calls it when we fall short of His holiness. All of us have sinned. Now, none of us are as bad as we could be, but none of us is as good as we should be. And because God is perfectly holy, He cannot have a good relationship with a sinner. Sin separates us from God. And God's Word says the penalty for sin 
is death. So what do we do? Does that mean that we're all doomed? No. God made a provision for that. He has provided a way for us to get forgiveness of our sin. Because He loves you so much. And that takes us to the third point, and that is God's grace. God's grace. In His wisdom, He saw fit to send His Son, Jesus Christ, down to earth. And Jesus came and lived a perfect, sinless life. He was a role model for how we should live. But more importantly, Jesus died a brutal death on a Roman cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Now some people may be thinking, well, that's unbelievable that God would do something like that. Sending His own Son to take the death for people that were living against Him and sinful people. But that's what He did. And to be honest with you, all over this world, millions of people, billions in fact, have placed their faith in Jesus Christ to take the penalty for our sins. And I want to tell you something, that shows you how much God really loves you, that He would send His own Son. He didn't leave His Son dead and in the grave, though. The Bible says after three days He raised Jesus back to life, proving His power and proving that Jesus really is our Savior. And God did this so that whoever would place their faith in Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins, past sins, present sins, future sins, would be saved from the death due them. It's through faith in Jesus Christ that we restore our relationship with God, and that brings peace to our lives. There's security in knowing that God, the God of heaven, wants to have a relationship with you. And He is willing to go to this extreme measure to restore that broken relationship that sin caused us. We've been telling you for several weeks now that we were looking for people to give video testimonies. And we're going to share a testimony of somebody who's been attending our church, Jean Ann Sanders, been coming for several months now. And she's one that not too long ago started this journey with God and made this decision and I want to share with you today her video. I'm Jean Ann Sanders and this is my restoration story. My relationship with the church at a young age really didn't exist. I only went to church for vacation Bible school in the summers um, and that was for cookies and Kool-Aid and to spend time with people my age. Um, I knew very little about church and when I did go, we sang songs, played with kids my age, really didn't take in any of the purpose of being there. Not that we didn't believe in church. We did, of course, but we just never made time to go. I always knew God was there. I knew what I needed to do, but I was scared. I felt like I was getting older by the day. I didn't know a whole lot about church, and I felt like more people knew more than I did and I was kind of afraid to speak up and learn. You know, we always had an excuse as to why we couldn't go to church or step forward. I honestly think people make excuses about going to church because of being judged on their appearance. I know in the past when I have went to church with 
um, friends or family. I've always gotten looked at if I'm wearing the right clothing, um, the right shoes. Um, number two is they think church is full of hypocrites because they've been burned in other churches. Not every church is that way. Uh, it's, it's hard to find a good church with a good family. When I walk out the doors, I feel like I'm just totally renewed. When I, you know, I can leave my burdens here. I can leave my worries here. My dad set an example of faith as he always, um, when he was going to church, he, he was part of the work group. Like he mowed the grounds and he was very huge into landscaping. He had small groups at his house. Anytime that he had worries on his mind, he always said, when you feel down, look up. When you feel down, look up, and I can still see him today pointing to the sky. He always knew that God was present and walking beside him. And there was never a doubt in his mind that God, you know, he was always there. He always wanted me to go to church with him, even when I was in my 20s and my 30s, and, and I, I never did. Mostly because I felt like I didn't know enough, I wasn't knowledgeable enough, and I felt inferior to everybody there. And that's probably one of my biggest regrets now is that I didn't go with him. And I did not give my life to the Lord when my dad was still here. But now I know that I'll see him again one day. You know, he loved the Lord with all of his heart and his mind. And now I know that feeling that he had <clears throat> because I share that same feeling that he had here too. Back in 2020, my life began to spiral downhill. My job went overseas, a job that I was very good at. And my world just felt like it was going upside down. I felt like the devil was on my back every day. I knew that I needed to go to church, but yet I was still afraid. I started listening to 88.3 every day to give me encouragement. Father's House, the song by Corey Asbury started playing and it said, leave your shames at the door. It's not welcome here anymore. You're in the Father's House. And that song spoke to me. So I knew, you know, I've got to do this. March of 2020, I made the decision to go to church. And from that day on, minus COVID, I went to church every day. And then in November of 2020, that's when I got baptized and got a new life. So all my old cares and worries and everything is gone. I actually got a job in November, not long after I got baptized. And I had problems at that job. And I just prayed and I said, Lord, please help me. And he did. He brought me through it. I have a much better job now. I'm much happier. My life has changed since I've encountered God tremendously because I feel like I was living in darkness. And now <laughs> he has brought so much light to my life. I appreciate so much more. And I tell people about him every day, every day. Don't ever be ashamed. You, you don't know when your last day is going to be. When Pastor Mark makes that call at the end of the sermon, don't be afraid to make that step or just call him during the week and say, hey, I need to talk to you. And just, you know, don't let your fears overcome your destiny. Your eternity is totally worth it. Here's our connection point today. Each of us has a choice to accept the deal that God offers for an eternal relationship. You know, God wants to bless your life. He loves you tremendously. He wants to have a life-changing 
relationship with every person on this earth. And when you die, he wants to continue that relationship for eternity in his presence. Now, some might be asking, how do we initiate the deal? In my brochure I created on the very back, it tells you very simply. I get it. Maybe you're saying, I get it. What do I do? Here's the ABCs of the gospel. Accept that I'm a sinner. Believe that Jesus died for me. Confess my faith in Jesus Christ. Demonstrate my faith through repentance and baptism. And engage in the local church. A, B, C, D, E. It's that simple. And if you have not made that deal with God to believe in His Son, Jesus Christ, I encourage you to do it today. It's the beginning of a relationship that will take you into eternity. And nobody can decide for you. And it doesn't matter how young you are or how old you are. Make that commitment, that deal. And if you've already done it, then today is just a review for you. But if you have not made that commitment, then you have not made the right deal. So here's what I want to ask you today. Deal or no deal. Will you push that button and make the deal? Or will you slam the case and say no deal? The choice is yours. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today for the many blessings that you give us. And Lord, you do love us all. But you have told us that to come into the right relationship with you, it takes a faith in your Son, Jesus Christ. And we pray today, Lord, that people will understand that. And they will grab hold of that and begin that walk, that, that journey that leads them into eternity. Where they walk by faith and not by sight. And they walk with Jesus arm in arm as they express their love to you. Not because they feel like it, but because they have made a decision to be yours. In Jesus' name, I pray and praise today.